This is a podcast of Forest Lake Baptist Church Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit our Facebook page or our website at flbc.org.au. We hope you're blessed by this message. Every year in the first few weeks of the year, we do a series on the four key words for us as a church. The church that we believe God wants us to be. A planting, equipping... Uh, planting, equipping, sending, multiplying church. A church that's doing those four things because we believe if we're doing those four things, we'll be a church that expresses our heart's desire, which is to tell people that every person is important to God. Every person is important to God. And we, we can't do that just on a Sunday morning. We have to do that wherever we're going, Monday through Saturday. Therefore, one of the things we want to be as a church and what we're looking at today is an equipping church where we are equipped to go wherever we go to tell people about Jesus, to share his love in word and in deed. And so today the passage we're going to look at is a benediction that we often pray at the end of a service. And I don't know about you, but in my experience in church life, I often hear these benedictions prayed, but I never hear them talked about. And there's a key word in this benediction really today is is a word study. I, I tend to geek out a little bit on Greek, the original language of the New Testament. I had a lecturer at college tell me once, you've got to stop geeking out on Greek. I'm like, well, I'm passing, aren't I? So whatever. Um, but the word in this passage, we'll see in a minute, is what the writer to the Hebrews is asking God, I might move over here. Is that going to be better? feel like you're going to say warmer, warmer, cooler. Why didn't I take Anthony's? That wasn't... This is how the writer to the, to the writer to the Hebrews closes his book. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's asking God to do really one thing in this passage to equip. We hear that and we go, okay, I get what equipping is. Equipping is like if you're a tradie, you get given the equipment to go and do your work. But in the days of uh, the New Testament, this word had a really specific meaning. And it was the word that came from fishermen. It was the word that was used for repairing the nets before you threw them out again. So when the people read this letter, as the people of the early church heard this taught, what they were hearing is, you are saying, I need to be equipped. I need to be repaired like a net. And there were three stages to a net being ready to be made ready to go again. The first was the net had to be repaired. You can imagine if you have thrown a net out and it's gone and you've caught some fish, but you're going to catch everything else in that net, aren't you? You're going to catch algae. You're going to catch shoes. There's always a net, a shoe in a, net, in a net, fishing net, or a Coke bottle. Maybe they didn't have them back in those days, but there'll be a bottle of something in there. That's all got to come out. The ropes that have come apart have got to be stitched back together. And we saw this recently. We were watching with uh, our younger two kids the TV show that we like, Amazing Race. I don't know if you watch Amazing Race, but we like it. Catherine and I would like to think that if we went on Amazing Race, we would be awesome. 
We'd be that team that just cannot get beaten, except when we're driving. We don't always agree on the driving situation. I don't like taking direction, and she likes to give it. So it doesn't always end well in that. And usually, to my shame, she's right, and I have to then work out how we're going to get back to where we should be. But in Amazing Race, the teams were running, and you always get those teams that run in, and the first thing they do when they're given a task is they just tear in, and they just go. What happened was with that, those teams... They had to repeat the task three or four times because they never did it properly. The teams that came in, sat down, looked at what, was ne- what needed to happen, worked it out and then slowly and methodically did the job properly. They may have taken longer to do it once but they only did it once. You know that old thing, measure twice, cut once? And it's a wonderful image because the, the thing about the Amazing Race when they were doing these nets is these fishermen were in Greece, that is the same way they have been repairing those nets for a couple of thousand years. So when the writer to the Hebrews says, I'll just stay back at repairing for a sec, Frank. When the, when the writer to the Hebrews is saying, you are being equipped, the first step in that is being repaired. Church must be a place where people can come and acknowledge their brokenness. I don't ever want to be a church where you have to fix a fake smile to walk in here. You come with your brokenness. You come with your pain. You come with your grief. And if someone says to you, if you had a great week, don't feel like you've got to say, it was awesome. Say, yeah, it sucked. But I love this other thing that a writer that I read, I can't think who it was, I think it might have been Matt Chandler said, or Andy Stanley, It's okay not to be okay. Just don't stay that way. Too often in the modern church, what's happened is we say to people, come with all your hurts, come with your sin, but we're not going to ask you to change. We're not going to ask you to make any adjustments in your life that need to be adjusted. And years ago, we had this lady come to the church and she came for about a month And she seemed to be hooking in. She seemed to be getting to know people. And this one Sunday, she said to me as she was walking out the door, and this is what every pastor wants to hear as people are saying goodbye, this will be my last Sunday with you. It was very definite with the you. I said, oh, okay. Am I going somewhere? And she said, I'm not coming back to this church. I said, oh, what's happened? Have you got upset somehow? She said, yeah, I'm not coming. I don't come to church to be told I should change. I come to be told to feel better. That's not church. The writer to the Hebrews earlier in this book says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. You can imagine a net with the stuff that hinders it going through the water. And the sin that so easily, what entangles that net? He must have been a fisherman, the writer to the Hebrews. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We all have things in our lives that we need to get rid of that are hindering our run for Jesus. Past hurts, past pains, insecurities. Those little insecurities that in the back of our mind colour the way we act and we don't even realise. We need to get rid of the sin in our lives. And anyone who says they have no sin, the Bible says, is a liar. 
We need to get rid of that sin so that we can be an effective net, an effective person for Jesus. And I love, I love, I love that the writer of the Hebrews doesn't say, you equip yourself. He's praying that God does it. Because ultimately those things that need to be dealt with in my life, the sin that so easily entangles, I cannot deal with my own sin. You cannot deal with your own sin. None of us can. We need a saviour. And Jesus is that saviour. And he says to us, come with all your hurts, come with all your pains, come with your brokenness, come with your sin. I have already paid for it all on the cross. Let me transform you. Let me repair you. I don't want our church to ever be a place where you have to fix a fake smile. Nor do I, nor do I want us to be a place where you can come and sit with sin and be okay with that sin. I want to be a place where people find transformation in Jesus. Real transformation. Life change. That slow, methodical, careful, skilled work of the fisherman is the work that Jesus wants to do in you and me. And he does it through each of us. You know, even the difficult people in church, and I mean, we're blessed as a church, we don't have any difficult people, but um, including your pastor. Even the difficult people in our lives are a blessing to us. Did you know that? That doesn't mean go and be difficult to everyone else. But we are a blessing to one another. The second thing a fisherman would have to do as he equipped those nets was first repair, second prepare. Yesterday we were at the beach and um, while I was watching the little kids in the water, there were these two guys a little way up the beach and they were fishing. One of them had clearly come prepared. He had a vest. Any, any fisherman in a vest, he's come prepared. He's got everything hanging off him. And his mate, you could hear him hanging, uh, having a go at his mate because he's come with a line and that's it. And he's like, look at you and all your stuff. Uh, and he's just dropping his line in. My experience as fishing is that the guy with nothing ends up catching more. But this time justice reigned. And the guy that came prepared kept bringing in the fish. And the guy who just threw a line in with not even bait on it, mind, he's getting more and more frustrated. Why can't I catch anything? And old mate's there pulling in the fish and he's having a great old time. Give us your equipment. No. And he's having a great time. We need to be prepared. Being a fisherman, being a net means to be prepared. And the thing about Hebrews is that it tells us the preparation we need is to know Jesus. It is to read through the book of Hebrews and see how time after time after time he says, the writer to the Hebrews says, how Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the temple. He's better than sacrifices. He's better than the angels. That only means something to all of those readers if they know about those other things. And so often in our Christian lives, we suddenly run to God when the crisis happens, like he's the eternal fire uh, sprayer. What do you call those things? Fire hydrant. That'll do. And that's when we run to Jesus. How much better we do in the Christian life if instead of just running to God and his word and prayer, when the crisis is on, we make that a daily practice of our lives so that when the crisis comes, we already have that stuff in us. We're already 
fueled. We're already prepared. We're already ready to go. And that's part of what church is about. We don't ask you to come to church and sit and consume. That's not church. We ask you to come and be part of preparation. Preparation in yourself and preparation in others. That means community. And how we equip, how we prepare one another to go and share Jesus on our front line. How to deal with crisis, how to deal with hurt, how to deal with conflict. There's no point getting to the a moment when we've got a conflict going on and then suddenly going to the Bible and saying, well, what does the Bible say there? But if we've done the work of knowing what the Bible says about forgiveness and grace and forbearance, then when that moment comes, we have those passages in our mind, right? And we have the people in our lives who are proud. We have the life group behind us who when that moment comes, we can reach out to them and say, hey, this is going on in my life. As many of you know, recently, probably the, the biggest tragedy of my life so far happened when my father died. And while he'd been very sick, the, the, the day he died came quickly. The first people I texted outside of family... Dad's not well, it, he's in real strife. Other than uh, Seb and Ruth, because I was meant to be meeting with them that morning, was Catherine messaged our life group. And they held us up in prayer. And when the news came that he'd gone, my brothers and sisters were praying for me. I was prepared for that moment, as difficult as it was. If we're going to be effective for Jesus, we don't wait for the moment when we're in the water to do the preparation. We do it while we're still on land. And we invest in ourselves and one another. Church is not a place where we just come and consume. Church is a place where we lead one another closer to Jesus. And like the writer to the Hebrews, we say, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. That's why he says, the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, not just when the crisis comes but every day so that we're ready. But the third thing that needs to happen with a net is ultimately it needs to be deployed. Could you imagine going to one of these little fishing villages on the, in the Mediterranean and you go there and all the fishermen are there? It's fishing time of day, whatever time of day that is. I'm imagining it's pretty early morning. And they've got all their nets laid out beautifully. They've repaired them, they've prepared them, they're ready to go and they are sitting beautifully in the sun. And you say to them, hey, fellas, why don't you throw them into the water? You don't expect them to turn around and say, oh, no, 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 no. We've got them looking just right. Our nets, they're the nicest looking nets in town. We wouldn't spoil them by throwing them in the water. Too often in the Christian life, and I think in the Western church, we have made church so much about looking good for us and serving us that we have forgotten the people who we are to tell about Jesus. In this suburb alone, and this is a statistic, if you've been part of this church for a while, you know this statistic. 
on the basis of the census alone, in this community alone, in this suburb of Forest Lake, there are 20,500 people who are currently going to hell because they don't know the name of Jesus. How dare we make Christianity all about me? We're fishers. Jesus said to the disciples, come and I'll make you fishers of men. Our net is only good when it's in the water, in the water doing the work. It's got to be deployed. And you say, well, where am I deployed, Mark? Where, where do you want me to go? Where does God want me to go? I'll tell you where God wants you to go, where you are. When you go to work, you're not just going to earn a living, you're there for Jesus. When you go to school, to TAFE, to uni, you're not there just to get an education. You're there for Jesus. When you go to the gym, you're not just going there to get fit. You're there for Jesus. When you go to a sports club, you're not just there to hang out with other people. You're there for Jesus. When you go home, you're not just there to parent your kids so they have an amazing life. You're there to tell them about Jesus. Wherever we go, we are deployed by God in that moment to be his fishers, to be the net declaring the love and grace and joy and peace of Jesus. Someone once said, the church is the only organisation on earth that exists for the benefit of those not already its members. The church is the only organisation on earth that exists for the benefit of those not already its members. We want to be an equipping church. So that wherever you go, wherever you are day by day, you are there on mission for Jesus. So we ask the question, well, who does the equipping? Well, Hebrews says, Jesus does, right? May he equip you. Ephesians says that he's given uh, the leaders to the church, that fivefold ministry section of Ephesians to equip the church. So who does the equipping? Is it Jesus or is it us? Yes. Jesus does it through each of us. You equip me, I equip you. That conversation we have at morning tea is equipping me. And God willing, it's equipping you. That moment when you sit and pray with someone after the service. Uh, Lindell, last week we heard about her photographic skills up at the youth camp. But she is one of those people that after a service, it's normal to see her praying with someone. I saw someone out here this morning before church, uh, one of the ladies in our church, I won't say who, I don't want to embarrass, and she was just chatting to a couple of kids. It was Renee's kids. She was just chatting with them. You could say, well, that's very kind, and it is. Do you know that's actually equipping those children? That's saying to them, you're important. You are valued. I will take time from my big old adult life and spend time with you. That's equipping them. When you serve, if you're part of a ministry team in the church, you are equipping someone else. Our kids' ministry guys, they're not just there to teach the kids, they're equipping the kids. And that's why at the baptism of little Jed last year, we heard the story about how he led a friend to Jesus in the school ground because he's been equipped by someone else. What we do here matters, it matters for eternity. And God uses his people to equip one another for the praise of Jesus. That's why this benediction closes with the amazing words, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. This is an amazing passage in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul says, when the church comes together, when they're equipping one another, using our gifts, one another, and serving one another, and, and, and lifting one another up, and praying with one another, and actually being the community that Jesus wants us to be. Paul says that if an unbeliever comes in among you, they will fall to their knees, cut to the heart, and say, surely God is in this place. Not by how amazing the preaching is, not by how amazing the other things are, it's by the whole body working together. What you do matters. It's understanding wherever we are, we are there, we are deployed, we are equipped, we are sent for Jesus. So how do we equip one another? How do we do it? We need to be known and we need to be needed. We need to be known and we need to be needed. How do you get known? How do you get needed? By doing more than just coming on a Sunday. By serving, by being in a life group, by taking a step beyond just being here. By engaging with other people. And yes, there'll be difficult people. Yes, sometimes they'll be upset. You know what? That's one of the key ways we show Jesus is by forgiving one another. And we love one another. Week before last, at my father's funeral, there was a man there named Neil. And Neil was uh, the neighbour of my dad when they were both growing up in Rock Lee. And I'd heard this story before, but um, Neil's wife told me again. Neil's family were not Christians. My grandfather, my dad's dad, shared with that dad about Jesus. He led the dad to the Lord, who led his wife to the Lord, who led his kids to the Lord. Neil led his son to the Lord. Actually, Neil was part of a church planting group. Neil's son is now a missionary in Cambodia. All because someone somewhere 70 years ago said, I need to be sent here. And it has literally changed lives. What we do matters. And now... May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.